0: Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Four Cores with Josh McKinney. Very excited to be back with you here on the second Wednesday in October. We took the first Wednesday of the month off after a five-show September, and it was a much-needed break that allowed us to recharge our batteries and plan for the rest of the shows here in 2020. We think we've got some great things in mind for you for the rest of this year. Now, momentarily here, I'm going to have a full-court press. I'm going to share my thoughts on the Atlanta Braves and the results of their first two playoff series. Obviously, they're in the middle of the National League Championship Series as two games have been played in that against the Los Angeles Dodgers. But I'm going to specifically talk about the first two series and what the Braves were able to do in going 5-0 against the Cincinnati Reds and the Miami Marlins. After that full core press, we're going to have this day in sports history. And then I'm going to turn things over to my wife, Christine, who hasn't done a listen Linda in a few months. She's going to have a listen Linda for you where she explains baseball and how it works in her own words. So you'll have to stick around for that. Obviously, as I said, we're in the middle of the baseball playoffs. So she's going to explain how baseball works. And then after that, she's going to stick around with me. We've got a very special fantasy draft for you in Happily Ever Drafter. We are going to be drafting cartoon duos in TV and movies. So that's going to be a very fun segment later on. My wife hasn't done a fantasy draft with me yet, but they went over very well. We've done three, number four today. I'm very excited to have her with me later. But first, let's get to that full court press. Okay. So like I said in the open, obviously two games have already been played in the National League Championship Series for Major League Baseball with the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers going at it. And since I recorded this Monday afternoon prior to this series starting, like I said, I am not privy to the information of who won those first two games. It could be 2-0 Braves, 2-0 Dodgers, 1-1 right now, any of those three scenarios. Obviously, you know that now if you follow Major League Baseball. But going into the series, my thoughts are that, obviously, these are the top two teams in the National League. The Dodgers end up with the best record in baseball at 43-17. and The Braves were 35-25. and And the thing that immediately sticks out about both teams are their offenses. When you look at the numbers, in the 60-game season, the Los Angeles Dodgers scored 349 runs. That's 5.82 runs per game. The Braves were second just behind them in Major League Baseball, 348 runs with 5.80 runs per game, so barely behind them. In terms of home runs, same thing. Dodgers, 118, were number one in Major League Baseball. The Braves, 103, were second in Major League Baseball. Now, the Braves did lead the league in doubles, 130 The Dodgers were somewhere in the middle of the pack in doubles. They had 97. They did have six triples. So both these teams very capable of extra base hits. In terms of RBIs, it kind of flips a little bit. The Braves are number one with 338, and the Dodgers are second with 327. And this is during the 60-game regular season again. Batting averages. The Braves were second behind the New York Mets. The Braves had a 268-team batting average. The Dodgers were 256, and again, they land just outside of the top 10 in that category for team batting average. Total bases, the Braves had 1,001, which was first in Major League Baseball, and second, you guessed it, the Los Angeles Dodgers, 986 total bases. So, you come into the series expecting there would be a lot of hits, a lot of runs put up, a lot of drama. Now, these teams have faced off in the playoffs in recent years, did not go the Braves' way, but this is a team that is older now, a little more experience under them, and their offense is even better than it was the last time against the Dodgers. That said, the Dodgers start at the top with Mookie Betts, who they signed to an incredibly long and huge contract after his success with the Boston Red Sox. And so it starts with him. You've got Max Muncy there. You've got Will Smith, not to be confused with Braves reliever Will Smith, and a lot of other big names, Corey Seager, and you just go on and on about the Dodgers lineup. Obviously, I've said their stats, them and the Braves, first and second, in a lot of categories offensively. But the Braves lineup, I've said it before, I think is the best in the National League, one through nine. Obviously, I follow the Braves and not the Dodgers as much. I know what the Dodgers can do. I know that they had the best record in baseball for a reason. So, should be one heck of a series. And obviously, like I said, a couple games in now. But this was recorded prior to the start of game one of that series. And just going into it, I still really like where the Braves are. Last series, they knocked off the Miami Marlins. First postseason series loss for the Marlins, obviously a small sample size. They had won the World Series in their only two playoff appearances before. So they had never lost prior to the loss of the Braves. The Braves beat Cincinnati Reds as well, so they're 5-0 and this postseason. Meanwhile, for the Dodgers so far, they beat the Milwaukee Brewers in the Wild Card series and then knocked off the San Diego Padres. Both these teams, the Dodgers and Braves, are 5-0. and Obviously, we're down to four now. The Tampa Bay Rays and the Houston Astros are battling out in the American League Championship Series. So, yeah, that's the offensive stats. Now, pitching-wise, you would have to favor the Dodgers on paper with more postseason experience. Walker Buehler started Game 1. Clayton Kershaw was slated to start Game 2. And then after that, we'll see. I believe they've been starting Dustin May, maybe. They started him in the last round in Game 1, but he only pitched an inning. So, we'll see what they do. The Braves had Max Fried go in Game 1. He struggled in Game 1 against Miami. The offense picked him up, and they were able to pull that out. Ian Anderson continued to dazzle. He has had two great postseason starts and was looking to follow that up against Clayton Kershaw, a perennial Cy Young Award contender, one of the best pitchers in baseball and has been for many years now. And then Game 3, the Braves had Kyle Wright. After that, you wonder... Bullpen game, likely, with the guys that the Braves have on their roster. I guess it depended on how the first two games went. They haven't had to use everybody in the bullpen yet. They've been using the big guns, really. Melanson's been phenomenal. Will Smith has been great. Shane Green has had a couple innings. And you can just go on and on again. You know, you talk about going on and on about the Dodgers offense. You could go on and on about the Braves' bullpen, which has been incredible. I mean, they've got below one ERA coming into the series. they would given up like one run in 20 and some odd innings. So that's incredible when you know that you can get that out of your bullpen, especially with the youth of the starting rotation for the Braves and the inability a lot of times of the starting rotation to go deep. Obviously, they've only got three guys they can really count on, and two of them didn't have any postseason experience coming into this year, and Max Freed with just limited experience out of the bullpen last year. So they haven't shown their age. You would hope the offense is able to get them some runs, and that's going to be easier said than done going up against especially those top two in the Dodgers rotation with Bueller and Kershaw. I love this Braves team. And whatever happens in this series, very proud of what they've been able to accomplish, especially dealing with the loss of Mike Soroka, who was expected to be their ace this year. I think the future is very bright, as I've said before, with him and these three guys that I've talked about with Freed, Anderson, and Wright. All of them in their 20s. And then Bryce Wilson is also on the roster and has been a starter, has opened some games for the Braves, has pitched out of the bullpen, and given them multiple innings. So maybe he factors into the future. Don't know yet. The only question is who's going to be that fifth guy. I think these other three guys, the work they've done as of late, Kyle Wright's really come on. Anderson's been great all year. And then Max Freed, the ace this year, stepping up for Soroka after his injury. So very excited about the future of the rotation and I think it's going to be really good and hopefully they can keep some of these bullpen guys around. I know some of them are a little older like Melanson, and don't know how many years he's got left, but, man, he has looked sharp as can be here in the playoffs. And you just hope the offense backs him up. You know, Ronald Acuna Jr. has struck out a lot throughout the playoffs, but is still a guy who can take any pitcher deep, who can have a big game, and he has had some big games. Freddie Freeman had two hits in the last game of the previous series, and so hopefully he'll continue that. He only had one in the postseason prior to that has still been able to get on base at times with walks and other things, as Freeman has been known to do. Marcelo Zuna, a phenomenal pickup for the Braves. You know, I've talked about them a couple weeks ago in the preview of the playoffs about this lineup and how deep it is. But Travis Darnot has been the MVP thus far, and especially there in that division series sweep of the Miami Marlins. Travis Darnot, incredible in the cleanup spot. And some people might favor the Dodgers lineup, but... I think the Braves are out there with them. And obviously a little bit of bias for me being a Braves fan. But I think they've got what it takes to go toe-to-toe with the Dodgers. And it's not going to be easy. And they may lose the series, ultimately. But I think they're going to give the Dodgers their best shot. And they're going to make it tough on them to advance to the World Series against whoever it may be that they would play there, Houston or Tampa Bay. So really looking forward to watching this series play out. 19 years since the Braves made the NLCS. The Dodgers have been in several in recent years and have played in the World Series. And so they've got that experience going deep. But this Braves team doesn't seem to be afraid of any moment. And you talk about these young starters, they don't seem to be afraid of the moment. It doesn't seem to be too big for them, at least entering this NLCS. And they're going to have to be on their A game. The offense is going to have to not strike out so much. They've got to make contact. Now, they have proven they can do that in the past. Hopefully, it continues in this series. And the Braves can continue to show just what they're made of because they don't get a lot of respect. You've seen throughout the first two rounds, the Braves are the team playing in the afternoon and not getting any primetime games like some of these other teams. But that changes in the NLCS and going into, hopefully, the World Series. And like I said, proud of this Braves team and what they've been able to accomplish this year because once Mike Sirocco went down... That really deflated a lot of people, uh, myself included. really scared me because their pitching staff was already struggling with, obviously, Cole Hamels only making one start this year. Injury problems for him. Felix Hernandez, a veteran, opting out due to COVID. You understand that. But just young. And Max Freed stepped up. Ian Anderson came up in the middle of the year and has been great. A uh, National League Rookie of the Year candidate. And Kyle Wright, after some advice he took from Josh Tomlin, who's another name who could see some time in that fourth game or whenever and really eat some innings. This is a guy who has pitched in the World Series for the Cleveland Indians, who has pitched at the highest level and has been around for a long time and hasn't even been used yet in the playoffs entering the NLCS. So he's fresh and hopefully ready to go. I think Josh Tomlin will be ready if his name's called. And I really like the guys. You know, I mentioned some of the bullpen names. Not going to mention them all. You can look down the roster the Braves have for this series, and a lot of great names there, a lot of great numbers. I do want to mention Chris Martin, who's been great all year, one of the best relievers in baseball, and thankful that his injury there in the last game of the regular season was a minor one, and he was able to return for the playoffs and has pitched in a couple games and been great for the Braves. So, nervous, obviously. There have been some nerve-wracking games in the playoffs. That first one against the Reds stands out. Trevor Bauer going up against Max Freed in that game one, and they went toe-to-toe, and it went 13 innings, one-nothing win on a Freddie Freeman single in that 13th inning. So that was a very hectic game. I'll see the postseason, your heart is just pumping real fast, and it's very nerve-wracking. But the Braves have been able to pull it out entering this series. As I said, neither one of these teams has lost. Something's got to give, and it should be fun. I sure hope it is for Braves fans. I've wanted to see this team win a World Series for a long time. 1995, I know they won it, but I was not watching baseball yet. I was only five years old, so didn't really get it. And the only World Series memory I really have of the Braves is 99, when they were swept by the Yankees. So not a good one. (laughs) But since then, not a lot of postseason success for the Braves even though they've made the playoffs on several occasions, just haven't been able to even get to the NLCS or even win a series until this year in 19 years. So great to see the Braves do that and break through. This young team is going to, I think, keep its core around for quite some time, and that core includes Acuna, Albies. I think Swanson will stay around. He's really stepped it up in recent years, and especially this season, and proven that he's not just a defensive specialist. I was taught him before, the most clutch guy on the team, and probably going to be a big moment that Dansby's going to find himself in in this series and hopefully comes through. I would not bet against him. And then Freddie Freeman, obviously, whose contract I believe runs out after next season, but hopefully the Braves will sign him long-term. Before then, he wants to stay around. You know they want to keep him, and we'll see about Ozuna. And they've got some young guys, obviously Christian Pache's on the NLCS roster. He's also been on the roster the first two rounds and has come in as a defensive replacement or late-game pinch runner, but you expect him to have a bigger role moving forward for this team. Nick Marcakis, don't know how long he's got left. Obviously, he's on the tail end of his career, still a professional hitter, but you expect guys like that to be out there along with Acuna in the future. It's exciting, but I hope the future is now and the Braves can break through and show the Dodgers what they're made of. That's all I've got for Full Court Press. Up next, This Day in Sports History. We begin this week's installment of This Day in Sports History on October 14, 1909, when the Detroit Tigers beat the Pittsburgh Pirates five to four in game six of the major league baseball world series to force the first game seven since the world series went to a best of seven format beginning with the 1905 world series pittsburgh would earn an eight to zero win in the seventh game though to collect their first of five world series titles adding championships in 1925 1960 1971 and 1979 Two of the greatest players in MLB history played in the 1909 World Series, with Honus Wagner playing for Pittsburgh and Ty Cobb suiting up for Detroit. Both were inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 1936 and are ranked in the top seven in career hits. Ty Cobb is second in career hits with 4,191, while Wagner is seventh with 3,420. The rest of the top seven in all-time hits are Pete Rose with 4,256, Hank Aaron with 3,771, Stan Musial with 3,630, Triss Speaker with 3,514, and Derek Jeter with 3,465. We move ahead a little bit to October 14, 1916 when golfer Jim Barnes defeated Jock Hutchison in the final round of the first ever PGA Championship at Illinois Country Club in Bronxville, New York. The event featured 32 players participating in a five-day match play tournament, with Barnes winning $500 for taking first place and Hutchison taking home $250 as the runner-up. That is a far cry from the winner's purse these days as Colin Morikawa earned $1,980,000 for winning the PGA Championship this past August, while Paul Casey and Dustin Johnson earned $968,000 apiece after tying for second. Inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame in 1989, Jim Barnes won the first two PGA Championships in 1916 and 1919 while the tournament wasn't held in 1917 and 1918 due to World War I. Barnes captured four major championships overall in his career, making him one of 29 golfers to reach that distinction, and one of three born in England to do so, along with Nick Faldo, who won six, and John Henry Taylor, who won five major championships. Next up is a notable birth. On October 14, 1967, American sports journalist Stephen A. Smith was born in the Bronx borough of New York City. 53 years old today, Smith spent the early years of his sports writing career with the Winston-Salem Journal, the Greensboro News and Record, and the New York Daily News. He also wrote for the Philadelphia Inquirer from 1994 to 2008, before returning to that newspaper for another stint that began in 2010. But Smith has worked for ESPN for most of the last decade and a half, including as a commentator on ESPN's first take since April of 2012. He also previously hosted a weekday show on ESPN Radio, with his final episode airing this past January. Nonetheless, Smith will remain an on-air personality with the network until at least 2025 after signing a five-year contract extension last year. So look for Smith to continue to serve as a first-take commentator and an NBA analyst for ESPN for years to come. We finish up on October 14, 1973 when legendary Major League Baseball center fielder Willie Mays recorded the 3,283rd and final hit of his Hall of Fame career at the age of 42 in the New York Mets' 10-7 road win over the Oakland Athletics in Game 2 of the 73 World Series. Mays spent the final two years of his big league career with the Mets after a total of 20 years with the New York-San Francisco Giants and he was an all-star on 24 occasions while winning 12 straight Gold Glove Awards from 1957 to 1968. A member of the New York Giants' 1954 World Series winning club, Willie Mays was also a two-time National League Most Valuable Player, a four-time National League Home Run Leader, and a four-time National League Stolen Base Leader, among many other accomplishments. His 660 career home runs ranked 6th all-time and 4th among outfielders behind Barry Bonds, who hit 762, Hank Aaron, who hit 755, and Babe Ruth, who hit 714 home runs. That closes the door on this week's This Day in Sports History. Now I would like to hand things over to my wife Christine for Listen Linda. I'll be back with you momentarily. For that happily ever drafter but right now it's time for listen linda
1: what's up ladies and gentlemen it's christine wife of your host josh mckinney producer of the podcast dj for lake Higri hans and i might just sell insurance that's my day job i'm here to talk to you today about baseball and listen linda we're gonna learn something today all right this segment was dedicated to all the people who like to listen to our podcast, but don't really know about sports, don't really know about what's going on, and that's why I'm here for you. So, baseball. Why is it called America's favorite sport? Why is it called America's favorite pastime? Why is it called the grand old sport? We're going to start out with the morsel of information that the first recorded game of baseball happened in 18. 18- 1846. 1846. That's 170 years old. I mean, that is insane. So baseball has been around quite a while. And it's played all over the world. It's not just in big major cities in North America. There are leagues overseas. There are leagues in Japan. There are leagues everywhere for baseball. And to begin with what's up with baseball, we're going to talk about where it is played. Baseball is played on a field. Okay. It's not a court. It's a field. It can also be called the diamond. And ladies, as we all know, diamonds are our girl's best friend. Okay. Just take a look at a picture of a baseball field. It's shaped like a diamond. All right. On that diamond, you have several kind of stopping points. All right. There's several important places on that field that you need to know. Right in the very center, you have the pitcher's mound. If you were standing on that baseball field, you would see that that pitcher's mound is raised. That allows the pitcher to be kind of up higher so that he can kind of pitch somewhat at a downward angle toward the home plate. All right. Home plate is that bottom corner of the diamond. That's where the action starts. That's where the action takes place. That's where you step up to home plate, right? It's just like the phrase. If we're going counterclockwise around the diamond, we have first base directly behind the pitcher's mound, second base, and you know what our favorite base is. Third base. <laughs> I can say that because I'm married. Um, Third base, and then they want to round it out with a run, and they're going to head straight to home. So the whole point of baseball Is to score, right? With every sport, it's always got to be some kind of score, right? The way you score in baseball is by making a run, all right? And that's literal. You are running. The pitcher is going to literally throw a ball at you, hopefully at 90 plus miles per hour. And the goal is to try and hit it and get it as far away from you and not into somebody else's hands as fast as possible. So, They hit the ball, it's going to go soaring, and they're immediately going to start running. They're going to head to first base. If they can make it, they're going to try to hit second. And then if they can make it as well, they're going to try and hit third and obviously turn the corner and head to home base. If a player hits a ball and it goes out of the park and smashes somebody's windshield, that usually means they have made a home run. People get lit for home runs. Just go look up home run celebration. They get lit. Anybody else that may be stuck on a base when someone hits a home run, that means they basically get a freebie to run all the way back home as well. So if you have, let's say, someone on first, second, third base, and a player steps up and hits a home run, they're going to score four points immediately. And that is a good play in baseball, all right? I know with basketball, it's like within one minute, you can get 10, 12 points. I mean, plays go back so fast, back and forth, back and forth. But with baseball, it's a lot slower paced. The action is very, very up and down, up and down, up and down. It's not like constant action. With football, it seems like there's constant action. But baseball, it's a little more slow moving, a little more paced. When things get hot, it's hot. So, if a home run is not the outcome, and that fly ball does make it far out, but is not caught by an outfielder and hits the ground, the outfielder's goal is going to be to try and pick that ball up as fast as they can and throw it to the next guy, throw it to the next guy to try and get to the runner and tag him somewhere on the body with the ball in the glove. If they can tag him before he gets to a base safely, again, that is an out. That's that's that thing you see in movies when the umpire swipes his arms across and says, safe, that means they made it safely. Or if they jack their thumb out, you're out. Like, that is an out. So there are some special things about trying to score that we have to kind of keep in mind. Just like with any other sport, you obviously have fouls you obviously have places that are out of bounds things that are illegal things that are good things that are bad so some of those things that we have to know is when someone hits a ball and it kind of goes out of bounds that's a foul ball all right that's a foul ball there's big yellow kind of markers on the outer edges of the diamond it almost looks like the yellow goalposts in football, but there's only just, they're straight up and down. They don't have kind of the, you know, three quarter square shape that kind of tell you, okay, that's, that's your line. You need to stay within, you know, your playing field, literally. If a player takes a swing and try, attempts to hit a ball and it's a fair throw, it was straight up and down. It was a, it was a perfect attempt and they miss, that would be called a strike. Every player that steps up gets three strikes. Just like the phrase, three strikes, then you're out. All right. If a pitcher throws the ball, that throw is technically called a pitch. If a pitcher pitches and the pitch is not within kind of the box of where you can possibly hit it, and it's not hittable, the umpire will rule that as a ball. So you can get four balls, and then you're allowed to just kind of take a base. Again, every player gets three strikes, and then they're out. If you can make a fair hit and get to the next base, it's like your turn's over, and then up comes the next player. If a player happens to get hit by the ball, again, that also is a walk. So they're allowed to just kind of walk on to the base because of a ball, like four balls, or because of they being struck by a ball. Again, that's just called a walk. Some of the players, I know you're like, why is there nine people out there? It's a huge field, okay? Some of the players' names are really important. They're really quite key. We've obviously talked about the pitcher is on the center mound. They are pitching the ball. The person at home plate who's trying to hit it, generally they're called uh, a batter or something. You know, They're at bat. Alright, cause they literally are swinging a bat. The player in all the padding and mask who's behind the batter would be called the catcher. So they're kind of giving signals. Sometimes if you watch, they have, um, they'll have neon colored fingernail polish that kind of helps. They'll be making kind of hand signs. I guess secret play calls, really to the pitcher to let them know what kind of pitch to throw because they might have an advantage standing behind or kind of crouching down behind the person at bat where they can kind of see okay let's give this one a go or pitch this one or pitch that one and so they kind of have a an unspoken kind of communication there of okay pitch this pitch that so pitcher on center mound batter is at bat The catcher is behind. The umpire generally is a neutrally dressed person behind who's kind of calling it and making sure that the pitches are fair, making sure that the, you know, the player swung too soon, that that's a strike. Um, They're kind of just watching sort of like a referee in other main sports. On first base, obviously you have a first baseman. Second base, same thing. Second baseman. Third base, third baseman. In between second and third, you have a player Again, this is team A, kind of like defense, called a shortstop. Between second and third base, that other player exists because we really don't want them getting to third. You really don't want someone getting to third base because there's nothing between them and home base except for, you know, several yards, right? So those other three players that are left are in the outfield. There's left fielder, right fielder, center fielder. They are way out there trying to catch the fly balls that didn't really make it to their home run graduation, and they are wanting to catch those. If a ball goes flying and one of those outfielders catches that ball in air, it never touches the ground, that is an automatic out. Again, three strikes make an out. Or if they catch the ball in air that's considered an out a team has three outs before they basically switch sides so everybody runs back inside of their dugout and the new team comes out onto the field and so on and so forth they do this exchange nine times so there's nine and those nine exchanges of now you're gonna hit now you're gonna hit now you're gonna hit is called an inning again baseball takes a long time because sometimes these innings can just drag on and on and on. They have something in baseball. If you ever go to a live game, um, I know there are plenty of local places, at least in kind of western North Carolina. Uh, the Crawdads in Hickory. You can go see baseball there. I mean, it's a really good time as a fan. There's things to do. But one of the things to kind of help with the monotony of just sitting and watching and sitting, they have something called the seventh inning stretch. Usually big ballparks will do something fun they'll have games or they'll have some kind of entertainment or you know they'll have everybody really get up and like stretch and just feel better about sitting for so long but there's a lot of other things with baseball just little things like the equipment that's important to know the big leather gloves that they wear they're it's called a baseball glove I mean the shoes that they wear just like in soccer and football they're cleats but some of them are special because, obviously, the terrain is different. I mean, there's other things that players have to wear for protective reasons, and you can just figure that one out on your own. But those are just some of the basics for baseball. Softball kind of is similar in some ways. Obviously, the ball is different. Um, generally, softball is thought of as a female sport, but, like, there might be women coming into the MLB someday. Who knows? Those are some of the basics. So listen, Linda. Take a chance on baseball. Watch a game with your man. Watch a game with your grandpa. Watch a game with your dad. Like Some of the older generations really love baseball. So let them tell you about their favorite time they went to a ballpark or their favorite game or their favorite moment. Again, just like we go to the park, we go to football games or basketball games or we tailgate or we have Super Bowl parties. I mean, going out to the ballpark with the family and having a good time again it's just another thing to make memories and to cheer on a team or cheer on your team and now as we wrap up listen linda let's move on in to our newest segment happily ever drafter
0: all right thanks christine for doing listen linda again today I always enjoy that segment. It's meant to kind of help explain things to people who maybe don't understand sports, don't watch them much, and I know you have a very unique voice to provide. Obviously, that's different from what mine would be, so thanks for doing that and explaining baseball for people today.
1: You're welcome. What are we doing next?
0: Well, I've done a few drafts over the last month or so with some guests. I haven't done one with you yet, and this week we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Last Wednesday, actually October 7th, we didn't have a show, took the week off, nice little break. But October 7th was actually the 24-year anniversary of Hey Arnold's first episode on Nickelodeon airing. And so if you think of Hey Arnold, there's a great friend duo in Hey Arnold, Arnold and Gerald. So we are going to be drafting our top cartoon duos in TV and movies today. Uh, We'll each be drafting 10 and the way this works is I always have my guest pick first and we start trading two picks apiece until we get to the last one and then you'll have the last one. Now unlike the last draft where I took three picks in a row at some point just randomly, I'll make sure not to do that. I'm sure you'll keep me in line if that happens. But but uh I think I'll be okay today. Like I said, we'll each be picking ten cartoon duos from TV and movies. Uh They could have been also in a live-action role, because I know there have been some who have been both live-action or cartoon. As long as they're cartoon at some point, that's fine. These are always a lot of fun, and this is a little different today for us. And kind of topical with Hey Arnold and the 24-year anniversary just passing. So, should be fun. And as usual, I'll be putting these on social media for people to kind of tell us who they think had the better draft. I know that we'll look back after this and think, man, we should have taken this duo here or this duo there. It always happens like that, but that's what makes it fun. And you'll have the first pick, Christine, so you're up.
1: All right, so to start out, you guys at home or wherever you are can't see it, but I'm wearing a t-shirt that has my favorite duo on it, and that is Spongebob Squarepants and Patrick Starr.
0: Yeah, I knew where you were going to go with number one. So I already planned out like my second and third picks. Uh, I knew that Spongebob and Patrick would be off the board. And they were certainly on my list of possibilities. But I knew that that was going to get taken number one.
1: You have to remember, I mean, apologize for interrupting, but Spongebob and Patrick is my heel to die on. You know what I mean? They have been around for 21 years. That is a full adult. So Spongebob and Patrick, they're getting up there in age. And just to let y'all know... I, too, am a Goofy Goober. That is all.
0: Okay. <laughs> um. So, my first two duos have definitely been around for a long time as well. They got you beat. But, you know, obviously, Spongebob and Patrick are going to be one that when we're older, are probably going to be looked back at like some of these duos. But my first one is going to be Scooby and Shaggy. You can't think of one without the other. Yeah. And uh they're always hanging out together. And so Scooby and Shaggy, whether they're getting scared of a monster or whatever the villain may be in that particular episode or whether they're off making humongous sandwiches. <laughs> I remember I had a video game that was Scooby Doo and one of the levels was just going and making sandwiches and you're like throwing them across the room and catching <laughs> everything. So it was pretty fun back on the Nintendo 64. <laughs> you know
1: what, you know what Shaggy's real name is?
0: Norbert, something maybe, or it's something like that. Yeah. It's like,
1: yeah. It's Norbert, Shaggy Rogers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So that's my first pick. My next one also been around for a long time. And I debated between about two or three different duos for my second pick, but my second pick is Tom and Jerry. One always chasing the other. I was always pulling for <laughs> Tom to catch Jerry. Uh, that was just kind of how I was <laughs> back in the day.
1: Yep, definitely classic there. There's so many of the old school, like, Warner Brothers, you know, like, OG cartoons, duos. Because there's always, like, a good guy, bad guy. Or, like, one is foiling the other. And so there's so many of those. For my number two and number three pick, I have Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. Obviously, Bugs Bunny is, like, a staple of the old school Warner Brothers universe. Daffy Duck. He's like my mallard from another mother because he has a lisp also. I grew up with a at. it. Sometimes I get a lisp and I can't help it. So, (laughs) Bugs and Daffy. And then my next one, and I'm sure this is on your list and I apologize, Snoopy and Woodstock. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: The Red Baron himself. In writing down my duos, the first four that I wrote down were Scooby and Shaggy, Snoopy and Woodstock, SpongeBob and Patrick, Tom and Jerry. So those are all the ones that are off the board yep. now. Yep, I've got plenty more here uh, on my big board. Uh, for my third pick, I am going to go, because you probably have them on your board, with Timon and Pumbaa mm. from The Lion King. Mm-hmm. I just okay. got to go ahead and uh, right. take them because that's a great duo that you're never going to see one without the other. Always up to a lot of hijinks and the introduction of them in The Lion King is just one of the best parts of the, the whole movie.
1: And they're like underratedly brave, like in that movie. They yep. they are literally prey and they just like walk themselves into like a den of hungry hyenas to try and save their friends. So bravo Mon and Pumbaa, good choice.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then for my fourth pick, I am going to go with Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble. A very old school cartoon that I believe started maybe in around the 60s, somewhere in that time. So they've been around for a long time. And those two together a lot on that show.
1: For my next pick, I guess my number four and five. uh, I'm going to pick one you probably don't have on your list. And simply because it is the season. And they are a very precious, I guess you could say person and dog duo. Jack Skellington and his ghost dog, Zero. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's nowhere on my list, and I have like 30-some in on here at least.
1: (laughs) And then for my number five, because you took Timon and Pumbaa, I'm going to go with another kind of Disney classic duo, Sheriff Woody and Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) Yep.
0: Yep. I actually was debating between whether to take them or Timon and Pumbaa, but... I definitely had Woody and Buzz on my list, for sure. Okay, so I'm the number five now. And with this pick, I am going to take Ren and Stimpy.
1: Okay, okay. I never really watched that cartoon very much. Like, I just remember as a kid, even though, like, even as kids, we all of us were spazes at some point, I kind of thought, man, these cats are a spaz. Like, I don't know if I can handle this. But, yeah, I didn't watch very much Ren and Stimpy, but I just seemed to love it. I didn't...
0: I mean, I didn't watch it a ton. I watched it enough to know, but just it's kind of there in the name of the show. (laughs) So I had to go that way. And for sixth, I'm going to go a little more adult, Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) Uh, I've got to do it. That's a very famous duo. I don't really like a lot of the adult cartoons. That's one of the few that I can stand to watch. I can't go with South Park. That's way too much for me. But uh, Beavis and Butthead, I've seen Beavis and Butthead do America and, and enjoyed that. Uh, I still do the cornholio thing yeah. every once in a while. Yeah,
1: I have documented blackmail
0: photograph evidence of Josh can do a
1: quality cornholio.
0: I won't do one right now, but uh, <laughs> so I think you're up with sixth.
1: Okay, luckily my fifth and sixth you have not taken yet. I am going to go with. Stewie Griffin mm. and Brian Griffin. Another adult cartoon that we can both kind of handle. And, yeah, I think they're just hilarious. There's some, it gets kind of serious, like, especially that one episode where, like, Brian owes Stewie money and Stewie goes, like, complete gangster on him. <laughs> That's terrifying. But, yeah, Stewie and Brian.
0: Yeah. Had them on my list. Uh Was also debating between them and Beavis and Butthead. Try not to go too adult too much but we each got one.
1: My next one is a human and dog combo again. There's a lot of like man and their best friend, like man's best friend, you know. There's a lot of those duos in cartoons and in, you know, just entertainment in general. And I think that's really sweet because, I mean, you can obviously animate and characterize a talking dog in any different capacity. So there's a lot of variations there. My next one is Jake and Finn from Adventure Time. I think that cartoon, uh, the show, I think sort of snuck in some good lessons and morals and things that like typical cartoons and really a lot of typical Disney, for example, doesn't really talk about with kids. Like there's some little silly, awkward things about the characters or about the other people. There's so many other different characters and places in the show. But like there were some things that they discussed and had Finn go through that really nobody really talks about. And so I think it's a silly little cartoon, but I really like it.
0: Yeah, I felt like for most of my list, I was coming up with ones that were older. Uh, near the end of my list, I had Finn and Jake and a couple other more modern day duos from cartoons. I think cartoons are just a thing that most of the ones that I watch or that I grew up on are not popular now. And a lot of the things that are popular now, I don't watch as much. I have seen some Adventure Time and have enjoyed some of that. So yeah, definitely a more family friendly option than uh, some of the other modern day ones. Okay. Uh, I've got four picks left. I'm going to go back to another one that's given away in the name. And that's Pinky and the Brain.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, always
0: looking to uh, take over the world. And that is one that I definitely watched a lot. Love the uh, theme song. <laughs> so that's certainly catchy. And uh, so I went with Pinky and the Brain. Uh, number eight. Oh, it gets harder as I go mm-hmm. every week. But these guys do have, even though maybe they're more popular for live action, maybe not. Uh, they have been in cartoon form plenty of times, and that's Batman and Robin.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Gosh, the Batman universe just is huge. Like cartoons, so many live action movies, action movies, comic books. I mean, Batman and Robin—that's the classic. For my number eight, I am going to go with not really a cartoon duo as far as something in entertainment like in movies, but really more in the world of video games. And that is our hero of time, Link and Princess Zelda. Or, you know, her moonlight name is Sheik. So yeah, I loved the Legend of Zelda games growing up. The Wind Waker, even though it was kind of different than the main stories. I really love that video game. I really love the characters. Really, every version of the Legend of Zelda that comes out, uh, it's just beautiful. Like, I'm kind of behind. I haven't played the new Breath of the Wild, but obviously I've played Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. I've played The Ocarina of Time many times. I've played Skyward Sword. Gosh, and I think I have another version, but I have definitely not played Breath of the Wild yet, and it looks beautiful, but it reminds me kind of a little bit of Skyrim, but I mean, I'm not really a Skyrim player regularly at all, but yeah, all of this tangent, I repeat, Legend of Zelda, the characters Blink and Princess Zelda.
0: Yeah, and just before you get to your next pick, I do want to say I almost disputed this pick because uh I know we're sticking to TV and movies, but there has been like a Japanese animated series based on them. So we'll let that stand. Um, they are definitely a duo that is popular and well-known. And uh, actually, as I was looking on my phone to do research to see were they in a TV or movie, and they were. But also, the first thing that came up was like, I guess it was a few weeks ago it came out that they're making some sort of Netflix Zelda and Link movie, maybe. Or I don't know if it's just Link, just Zelda or both. But uh, they're wanting Tom Holland to play Link, <laughs> from what I heard on this. So I don't know. That was a few weeks ago. I don't know. It's just a rumor. And obviously, they're still in the works. But just an interesting thing I found.
1: That that would be interesting. I mean, we love Tom Holland. I love Tom Holland as an actor. I mean, we love him in Spider-Man and, gosh, all the other things he's done. But Legend of Zelda games are kind of a point of view style, like story mode style. And so the character doesn't really emote or, like, vocalize very much. So I feel like Tom Holland is really, he would have to really get that right because you're literally playing a character in this movie or whatever might be coming about. You are literally playing a character that does not have like a preset disposition or voice. Everybody knows how, how he sounds when he like takes a strike, you know, in the game, Ocarina of Time, or whenever he is on a pony and tries the whipper to make her go faster in the video game. Like you can hear the voices of the characters on there, but he's really going to have to get that right for sure. I look forward to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh So I think you have another one that should be your ninth pick, I believe.
1: Yes. So my ninth pick is another kind of older one has been done in both animation and then some live action, sort of, is Winnie the Pooh and Piglet.
0: Yeah, I can't believe I don't have them anywhere on my list since I wrote down so many. Um, that's a good one. That's an old school one that I really like. I'm a big Eeyore fan. So, <laughs> I have my last two picks before you take the last one And looking at what we've got left I am going to go with Tweety and Sylvester So Tweety okay. the bird, Sylvester the cat Another one where I always pull poor Sylvester to catch Tweety And uh, <laughs> kind of in the same vein as the Tom and Jerry type show where you know, You've got the cat chasing around Either the mouse or the bird in this case And the last pick is always tough because you don't want to leave something major off.
1: Before you move on to your very last pick of this draft, give us some names of other TV duos, movie duos, cartoon duos that did not make your list but are really classic and identifiable.
0: Didn't make my list? Right. Well, I don't know uh, until I'm done.
1: (laughs) So name all the ones that will not be your last
0: Well, I mean, I mentioned Arnold and Gerald earlier, and that's definitely one that I identify with growing up with that show. haven't seen probably all the episodes. Another one that I'm not going to have as my last pick, but they're very popular today, is uh, Rick and Morty. Now, I'm not really into Rick and Morty. Uh, I haven't really checked it out, but I know it's very popular. Uh I'm still debating a few for my last pick here as I'm going through these, um, <laughs> actually. But uh, it's tough because I've got two here, and I will go with Mike and Sully mm. from Monsters, Inc. Uh, I'm going to go with them. Yeah, okay. uh, that's a great friendship duo, yep. and it's hard to find one without the other. I think I even like the Monsters University even better maybe than I do the original. I like both, but... Uh, I really enjoyed that one as well. came out many years after. So I just left Shrek and Donkey off. Uh, That was another one I considered. Oh, yeah. And just decided to go with Mike and Sully. So, yeah, that's my last pick.
1: Oh, boy. Well, I had a few more names on my list. Really well-known, like identifiable duos. And I really don't know which one I want to go with now, too. These are some that I'm not going to go with. I have Pain and Panic. From Hercules, the Disney classic. I had Gomez and Morticia Adams. Again, it's Halloween season. And the newest animated version, I think is really cute. I also had Rocky and Bullwinkle on here. Again, another classic. And then, gosh, I'm just gonna name a couple more. I had Cat Dog, Marlin and Dory. Ugh, they're such a good duo. Mario and Luigi. But I think I'm going to actually switch up my last draft pick and go with the godfather of them all, or at least of the Disney universe, Mickey Mouse. And I guess I'll go with Minnie Mouse too, since every king needs a queen to rule beside. I think there is more Mickey Mouse ears, emblems, pictures, silhouettes out there in the world than any other cartoon or character in existence. I mean, maybe besides, like, imagery of, like, Jesus. I mean, because there's Mickey Mouses hidden in the concrete, in the blocks of every Disney World, Disneyland amusement park. Mickey Mouse has been around. I mean, I think my first bed set as a very small child was Mickey Mouse. So that's why I'm gonna go for number 10, Mickey and Minnie Mouse.
0: That was one of the few, uh, that I had somewhere on my list that was a male-female duo. And the only other one, well, the only other couple that I had on my list would be Kermit and Miss Piggy. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, I thought of, uh, Lilo and Stitch as well. Going back to some others I left off, I had Yogi and Boo Boo. Yeah. Uh, Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, oh, yeah. another one where, uh, <laughs> I pulled for the oh, Coyote. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Mordecai and Rigby from the regular show. Lady and the Tramp, actually. Oh, That's yeah. another one I had. That's cute. It was a, a couple trying to see what else we may not have talked about. Phineas and Ferb. Okay. Uh, which I wasn't really into, but I know it was big. And another one where they're in the name there.
1: Any character that has like a associated person or like even a close friend. I mean, anybody, like Miko and Flit from Pocahontas. I mean, gosh, pick anything Disney and they're gonna be like a duo. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we pretty much mentioned Every single one I had on my list Somewhere now Somewhere Whether it was actually On one of our lists Or left off Or considered Always tough to narrow them down And a couple that I wanted to snag Before you got them mm-hmm. uh, Early on And uh I like my list I'm pretty happy with it Uh Might be the best list I've done In a fantasy draft so far I feel like I've left some things On the board in the past ones But yeah. I think I did a little better here
1: Yeah this was definitely a lot of fun What do you guys think? Leave us some comments share our podcast let everybody know how you think um are you guys enjoying these segments that aren't really sports heavy let us know again in comments and shares um and in listens we're getting our listenership up we are anywhere you can find podcasts let us know what you think about our animated duo giraffe
0: yeah for sure and thanks for listening i really appreciate you guys listening each wednesday I know we took last week off, won't be taking a week off for a little while now, but looking forward to each Wednesday for the next little bit. Uh, we're coming up on the end of 2020 pretty soon, but I really enjoyed this, and I think we're getting better and better each week. I've got a guest or two that I'm thinking about coming up, so I haven't finalized anything yet for next week, but we'll hear soon and hope to talk to them and have a good entertaining show for you again. Christine uh, again I always enjoy these drafts and thank you for coming up with the name for this one when I was racking my brain for it Uh, again this was a fun one I've got some other awesome ideas for drafts in mind in the future another one that I'm thinking about soon for us is tv and movie duos that are not cartoons So that could be a totally different thing. I've got a list already that I've been compiling, and I think that's one we can do in the future as well. But next week, another great show on tap. Uh, We'll definitely have some more quality entertainment. Uh, I know it's election season. I know there's a lot of serious things going on. The virus continues to rage on and and all that. Hope everybody's staying safe out there and, and being smart take care of yourself it's a scary time but we hope we can be a light-hearted part of your week each wednesday and uh as always you can follow me on twitter at super 32 you can like four quarters with josh and kenny on facebook
1: and if you want to keep up with me on what i'm doing with lake hickory haunts or just general life stuff having fun you can follow me on tiktok at her royal thickness uh, that's two C. <laughs>
0: Can't wait for next week. That's 23 episodes in the book. So 24 coming up next week here on Four Quarters with Josh McKinney.